I gotta say, man, uh, like, you know, we spoil everything on this podcast, and so we're, like, we're gonna eventually reveal the whole movie, but uh, for me, if that was me at the end of this movie, human race is fucked. I would not have had the willpower to uh, <laughs> to turn on that sexy space vampire, you, is you all mean I'm saying. You would not have ended her and yourself in one foul... If she was like, Cooper, come away with me. We'll rule the galaxy. I'd have been like, fuck yeah. When do we start? Let's, let's go <laughs> let's do it. right now. I'm, it was, sorry, yeah. sorry, humanity. I'm going with this hot space vampire. It was pretty uh, heroic at the end for what he did, right? Oh, I can't even. The, the restraint that man had. <laughs> what a hero. Uh, welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we have just given away the ending to the film we were talking about today, <laughs> Life Force. Yeah, I had never seen this before you shared it with me. This is uh, the first time I have ever even heard of life force i love the dvd is a, a shout factory release so one of our oh steelbook buddy yeah we're going down the rabbit hole here yeah beautiful um i guess we have a collaboration between uh, british and american companies here i'm pretty sure it was filmed in britain um american director is the director of texas chainsaw massacre toby hooper uh this was you know i guess not super successful and people kind of thought or hoped that it would be and this was sort of in like a dark period in his career i i mean i've definitely seen the texas chainsaw massacre before like so the original version like the oh yeah i mean well like the known. very first one, oh yeah. wow i guess we'll have to sort of share what it's all about and whether we feel he should have got that derision at the end here i did notice right away as we're getting into these really dramatic credits that it's the london symphony orchestra providing the music for this movie and what a soundtrack they provide. Yeah, there. they do a really good job of using the symphony to create the sort of uh, thriller slash horror notes that flow throughout this sci-fi horror movie. Well, even just the menus, when you open the Blu-ray, it's what I would re- refer to as a classical banger. <laughs> this is how serious, man. It's super good. <laughs> oh, I, that, I, I wonder how often classical and bangers have been thrown together in a sort of lexicon of conversation. <laughs> I feel like we weren't having Bach and Beethoven and others describing each other's music as bangers, but maybe I'm wrong. Listen, man, you put you put this Blu-ray in your player. It's you'll you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. That's what's. I up. don't disagree, but uh, that's that's funny. So we're watching Life Force. So yeah, we're gonna go through the movie. We're gonna spoil everything else in the movie. Life Force, and uh, we are drinking a beer like we always do that relates in some way to the movie. Uh, so today we got a beer called Chug Life. Oh, uh, why not? Right? That's what those sexy space <laughs> vampires do. They chug life, Noel. Just suck it right out of their unwilling victims Uh, it's got life in the title it's got chugging the life and this is from the mars community brewing company in chicago illinois this is an international beer my favorite city in the world chicago illinois if slash when covid ever ends i got a date with chicago love chicago and i would love to visit this brewery seems like a really cool place and if you look through like kind of like their website and see some of their past beers they have brewed a ton of different stuff yeah this one seems like a pretty cool idea sparkling lager uh which is uh, a lager beer that also incorporates almost champagne style elements i believe we haven't broken into it yet but i'm really excited to taste this thing it's kind of different from some of the others we have explored in the past well, and the can color is very similar to Miller High Life, which is, of course, the champagne of beers. <laughs> I think that's intentional, right? The art kind of makes it look like the champagne of beers. But in this one, they've actually incorporated champagne elements into it. Miller High Life being maybe your go-to or favorite in the past, oh I feel God. like. like that is, Definitely. If I think yeah. of a Cooper beer, it is, it is a Miller High Life. And in fact, sometimes I drink clear bottles ones just so I can think about you. 
There's no shame in that. Listen, there's no shame in loving the high life. It is a high quality, affordable beer. <laughs> and I do not regret enjoying it as I often have. No, it is delicious. All right. We're going to we're going to crack this one open and get into the chug life. I just love that title, by the way. It's a it's a great beer name. Oh, it's bubbly. She's on my lap. <laughs> oh, no. You can hear the beer on my crotch as uh, I laugh through this <laughs> we're right now. We're off to now, a great start here, man. Uh, speaking of great starts, we begin this movie with some very ominous credits, and we get a crawl that says, on August 9th, Space Shuttle Churchill, a joint British-American team on a mission to approach Halley's Comet. They are on course and on schedule. Now, a radar scan shows an object in the head of the comet. It appears to be alien, and we are just right into this movie. Yeah. I kind of remember... Um, the time when Halley's Comet was a big thing. And I definitely don't remember any suggestions that there was alien life on board there. And very quickly, we figure out that a large part of Halley's Comet is an alien spaceship. Yeah, so this crew, they want to radio for instructions, but the comet's tail is blocking all their transmissions. So they have to make the call and they decide this is their only chance to investigate, uh, literally, as the comet only comes like once every 76 years. So they're just out and they're going into it. And we're like three minutes into this movie. Again, they're just diving right into the plot here. These are kind of some like so-so special effects as they float through what looks like a giant colon. (laughs) Yeah, I I wrote down here that I felt like the inside of the shuttle shots, like as we have a team of astronauts up in space, they seem quite believable. Like they felt like they could be um, space technology of the time. The outside shots, though, the ones in space, not so much, not believable, even in like the most imaginative dreams. So it's the Moonraker problem. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, we very much get some Moonraker (laughs) vibes. We're getting those sort of um, was this 80s? We're getting the like early 80s or when was this one created? Uh, mid 80s i believe 1985 all right so we're moving on there almost towards the 90s but we're getting some of that sort of science fiction and space technology and it's probably budgetary as well yes so they eventually enter a large chamber that is filled with what appear to be giant bats now these bats are all dead they've been drained of all fluid one astronaut like easily breaks a piece off And they go to collect a specimen, but as they do, the alien ship releases something which, in their own words, can only be described as a giant umbrella. Yeah, this is fucked up. They find this weird alien spaceship full of, like, human-sized bats, and they're just like, okay, let's go figure this out. Like, they're not scared at all. They're like, we gotta go, we gotta go in there. Would you fucking float up to a bunch of space bats? Not knowing that they are all dead, no, I would not. I'd be like, well, guys, uh, that's probably good for now. Let's get. Oh, they're also wildly outnumbered by the space bats. Although, again, they're all dead. They don't seem scared, and they don't know they're dead until they get up to them, I felt like. I don't know. And then they decide to capture that specimen. Like you said, they grab the cheapest net I've ever seen in my life. And then, yeah, we get this weird like ship coming alive. And you're right. It looks like a giant umbrella. But then we also have a light pop on, and they're going directly into that light. Well, sure, man. To your point, if they're not scared by this flock of giant bats, you're going to walk towards a bright light. They head towards it. Uh, They're deeper in the ship, and there is a room full of, like, crystals. And inside three of these crystals are bodies. Sexy, sexy bodies. (laughs) Yeah, this is weird. So they're moving towards it. Um, They kind of head in, and they start to spin. But they see these crystallized bodies, and then the astronauts kind of freeze up. Yeah, the commander of the ship is like strangely drawn to them and he says something's happening to me what's wrong with me what 
And I can answer that question. It's called lust. <laughs> oh, I, I did write down here that he has a really creepy she's perfect. So he sees the body of a woman inside one of these crystals, and that's the line he drops. She's perfect. That was one of the other crewmen. Oh, okay. One of the other crewmen said that. He's been in space for six months. Oh, and he's just so horndog because he's been up there alone. Yeah, and exactly. That's right. So obviously they're not having sex in space. Are, are, is there a way for astronauts to take care of themselves to, like, well, I'm sure they can. <laughs> Definitely they can, yeah. Uh, zero gravity, I would assume. That's, you know, <laughs> put, put that on your would masturbation you, would bucket list. Would you be up list. there throwing Is that? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, this is incredible. Uh, but now, there's actually a female crew member with them, and she gives them a very scornful look after this exchange. I don't blame her. Uh, they decide to take all three of these sexy uh, aliens back to Earth. Now we jump ahead, and the shuttle has returned to Earth, but still no communication. Now, the Earth is very concerned, so they send another shuttle up to investigate, and they find the ship completely gutted. There's evidence of some kind of fire, and the crew is nowhere in sight, at least not until they enter a dark room and we get a jump scare. <laughs> I wrote the jump scare in there as well. Um, the jump scare is sort of like a burned body that pops out there, and we get the the Houston, we have a problem line dropped there as they're, <laughs> they're following in. A decade before Apollo 13. Yeah. So yeah. we we got that. I didn't. I did actually kind of question whether that was a like common thing that is said in sort of space launches, or yeah, where did, did Apollo thirteen borrow that from here? Um, no, I think the actual real life Apollo thirteen was the cause. That of might that, be an yeah. actual quote from that. I don't That's know. That's fair. It, it's looked like a fire has ripped through this whole place, and the only thing left there are those three bodies locked in the crystals. And being curious scientists, they're not like fucked up and freaked out about this. They decide what are they going to do. Well, they bring them back to Earth to examine them under radio yeah, silence. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Eh? We have no clue what these things are. Let's bring them back to the planet. Yeah, this is going to be good. Let's just bring them back. Very quickly, weird stuff starts happening. The female body's midsection starts glowing like a sexy E.T. <laughs> and much like the commander was, one British guard is very drawn to her. Suddenly, as he's kind of leering at her, her eyes open. Now she stands up, fully naked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh <laughs> what you throw huh? at me there <laughs> i don't know uh, uh she walks over to the guard takes off his helmet and just plants one on him. this is a deep passionate kiss and the lights all of a sudden go haywire yeah this is pretty interesting so there's this naked space alien woman there and the guard is drawn to her not just because of the way she looks but something is sort of taking over him he almost doesn't have full control of himself what happens once they start kissing this really passionate deep kiss mm -hmm. Well, we had this kind of like glowing blue halo effect and like lightning sounds. Mm -hmm. And when we see the guard, he looks totally emaciated as if the life had just been drained out of him. Yeah, she steals his life force. This is this is what's happening. She chugs his life, she man. She chugs life yeah. right here on him. This is uh, inspiring the beer choice here. Yeah, now we see some kind of higher ups. One of them, Dr. Bukowski, actually finds the guard, saw the whole thing go down on security camera and races down there. Now he's alone in the room with the naked alien, and she goes to make out with him too. Uh, another British higher up, Professor Falada, who looks kind of like a former Major League Baseball player and current Toronto Blue Jays broadcaster, Buck Martinez. <laughs> yeah, I see a that. Bit. That's interesting. He's got yeah. like, the gray hair, yeah. He also sees this happening and rushes down with security. When you get there, Dr. Bukowski is okay, but the girl is gone, so they sound the alarm. Yeah, so there's a naked woman wandering around this large science-slash-military facility. She hasn't tried to put on any clothes yet, but they're using very subtle lighting to 
to hide her parts as she moves through this story. It's interesting. They, they're not afraid of showing some nudity, but they're definitely hiding parts of it as they, they move through, keeping it... Uh, well, they're trying to be tasteful. Yeah, keeping it tasteful. Before this all happens, one of them actually says the quote, don't worry, a naked girl is not going to get out of this complex. They are clearly underestimating how thirsty all these guards are. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it is pretty dramatic how um, sort of focused they are on her being naked and not at all trying to do their job. Now, they do try and stop her, to be fair, but she uses some kind of like electrical powers to take them out and blow out all the windows so she can escape. Uh, now it's time to figure out what happened. And so we meet Colonel Kane. He's at the complex to investigate. He interviews Professor Falada. It turns out that he, Professor Falada, is very interested in thanatology, which is the study of death. Do you know much about this? No, not at all. So this was sort of an interesting introduction to this idea to me. He was very much trying to figure out whether there was life after death. So he was investigating what sort of happens to the human essence and what are things that go on there. And I... This is sort of the first introduction to the idea that you can live beyond your current life and have other things, or life can be extended, and this is what the doctor studies. Yeah, it's also a dynamite chance to drop in the title of this movie, (laughs) because he mentions a person's life force, and I was just like, there there. we go, we got it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He does propose that somehow this female alien has drained the life force from the guard, and that's bad, because if she can do that to him, she can do that to anybody. Now, the only thing that can make this worse is if the two males woke up too, <laughs> which they immediately do. And as soon as they get out of those crystals, I just wrote down here, like, where are these guys from? The planet Handsome? <laughs> yes, equally like the female character, they pick uh, immaculate specimens or bodies to uh, portray both the men and the women. The one dude's jawline is just ridiculous. It's chiseled. This is hilarious. Like, as soon as they come to life, we have soldiers shoot them, like, thousands of times. <laughs> Um, and then they don't die, and so they decide to fucking grenade the shit out of them? Yeah, they they try to escape, and we get the impression that maybe they do, or do they, because Colonel Kane comes in, and him and the presser find two very badly damaged bodies, and they're unidentifiable, wink, wink. <laughs> so, you know, they assume these are the two males, yeah. but, uh, you know. They make it seem like the two male aliens are deceased. Um, in the explosions, but we also know that there were some soldiers around, so... Yeah, two two soldiers, to be exact. So I think this is kind of wishful thinking on the professor's part. Um, either way, they do an autopsy on the original guard, who suddenly wakes up, and we get some just laughably bad creature effects here. Oh, yeah, this is, is pretty rough. He, it's like, he turns into a hilarious puppet? Like, it's gotta be a puppet. That's um, what it looks like, and... yeah. And... Um, he tries to take the life or sort of drain the life of the people within the space or the room with him, right? Yeah, the doctor who's performing the autopsy goes in. He's kind of drawn in as well. Looks like they're going to make out for a second. But instead, the guard just drains his life force. And when he does, he reverts back to his formerly youthful self. Yeah, this is a horrible tra- makeup transformation. It's very dated, of course. I, the idea is pretty cool. Right? Like, the idea of doing this is quite cool. Um, the doctor, after he does it, his body just shrinks up into this shriveled mess. It's pretty... It's kind of interesting. I like the idea behind what they're doing. It's just they didn't have the sort of technology or makeup to pull it off. Or the budget. I think it could have been a budget yeah. thing as well. Either way, we're seeing a pattern here. This is basically a vampire situation. So after two hours, uh, these bodies rise with a thirst for sweet, sweet life force. 
and this is spreading. They find another drained body in a park, and the professor sees the potential for disaster here. This is exponential growth, uh, vampires making more vampires, and these creatures all need to feed because when they don't they explode into a pile of dust (laughs) yeah this is weird right the explosion of the body after it doesn't get to drain from someone is quite graphic and hilarious um but what they say is that within days we could all be doomed if uh this sort of transitions or it spreads in the exact same way yeah man the british government says they have to get ahead of this thing but they're going to need more information and luckily right on cue radar picks up one of the escape pods from the churchill shuttle what are the odds (laughs) who could be in that escape pod and what could be happening do they have information to help solve this issue yeah man we find out right away it's the commander whose name is colonel tom carlson he's back on earth and he's there to fill in some gaps for us, the audience, and the uh, you know the British government via flashback. See, it turns out that the crew started acting strange on the trip back. One of them, Rollins, I believe his name is, destroyed the ship's radio and the logs and then didn't remember doing it. And then one by one, they were found with the life drained out of them. But somehow, Colonel Carlson survived, and when he saw they were close to Earth, he tried to blow up the shuttle to stop the aliens from reaching the planet. It was pretty funny to see that sort of explanation of how it goes. We know that clearly there's something wrong with these people in the crystals and the way it's making everyone act. He figured out it was dangerous, and what we assume at this point is he made a noble decision to try to burn it all down before he gets there. Well, but he says it was the hardest thing he ever did. Not blowing the shuttle, though, leaving that woman. <laughs> we get, I, I write down here that there's some really good music. We were getting all the symphony music that was really adding to it. But then we kind of get a shot of that spaceship from Halley's Comet, and it seems like it's diverging from the sort of path that Halley's Comet Normit takes. Yeah. We can tell this has all had a dramatic effect on the colonel because he has a sexy nightmare in which <laughs> this whole sequence oh. is just amazing. Basically, the naked lady uh, is there with them, and they're like making out and stuff. The dialogue is just—I I can't even—I can't even. You're giving me your wife. You're taking it. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is unbelievable. This is ridiculous. So they're—they're they're on a bed in the middle of a cemetery. They're having sex, but the sounds they're making are not pleasure sounds. There's like horror sounds coming out in the background, like the sounds you would have on a Halloween soundtrack. And then the kissing and sucking is so bad because it they're trying to make you think about draining of life force. The kiss is like them sucking each other's faces so hard. Oh, dude, she hard. is eating his face. Yes. Yeah, she is just mowing on his face. It's incredible. Like, is this movie making incredible or is this arousing incredible? So the colonel wakes up screaming and... Uh, <laughs> dude man it's deeply erotic i don't know what you want me to tell you this movie is yeah did you in your teen years ever see the species series of movies oh fuck yeah of course are you kidding me i'm hoping that at some point in the future we will watch one of the species movies because that was a big deal when we were teenagers while watching this movie it brought me back to a story or a moment in my life oh where are we going with this so the species movies were all about these very attractive women coming down to earth and um getting impregnated by human men and i wondered watching this whether this might have been an inspiration for that kind of idea i wondered where this comes from and if this is a part of other movies and it made me think about going to see species with my father 
Oh, that must have been uncomfortable. Yeah. So as a like, I don't know, early pubescent boy, like I was probably like 13 <laughs> or 14 years old when it came out. I went to go see this movie with my dad and the two of us went to the theater and I think it was Species 2. It wasn't even the first one. Like my dad must have known what we were getting into here. It was excessive it was basically what i remember of the movie was many naked women having sex with men in hot tubs and you're sitting there with your dad just sitting there with my dad trying not to look at my crotch or his oh. as we oh, Jesus. Move yeah, that is a very awkward situation for sure um that is a that is a harrowing tale <laughs> yeah I, that's, that's probably my worst movie going experience of my entire life <laughs> This strange erotic thriller as a 13-year-old with my father and just being like, (laughs) how do I have a conversation and make it not about the women like who are nude on screen having sex with all these men and then murdering them immediately? You did the stare ahead in complete silence, right? Absolutely. The entire movie. Your dad did the same thing? Oh, yeah. We both had our own popcorn and never talked about it. I think the car ride home, we didn't talk. I think it was like... (laughs) Didn't talk for like three years after that? Yeah, maybe maybe that was the last time I talked to my father. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. That's the way to play it, though. I like the way you played it. Yeah. So, um... He wakes up screaming, and everyone runs in the room and wants to know what's up, but he can't remember, so they hypnotize him. Now, they figure out that he and the female vampire creature have a mental connection, but that's a two-way street, so now he can tell where she is. Now, she has switched bodies and gone into temporary hiding, but he sees her picking up some older guy, and they're going to try and track this guy down, but it might be too late. There's at least one alien vampire roaming the streets of London, and the Umbrella ship has come to Earth, so shit is getting real. Yeah, things are really bad. Um, We're going to soon get into some shots of London, and man, do these vampire aliens spread the need to suck life force rather quickly. Yeah, man, it gets out of hand real fast. But before that, the team splits up, because time is of the essence, of course. Yes. The professor is looking at a skin sample... And also tells a man on the phone to send in that soldier. Now, when the soldier arrives, he looks awfully familiar. I wrote down, uh-oh, it's the alien. Yeah, man, it's one of those extremely handsome male aliens. Yeah. Malians? We can call them aliens. We can just say he's mansome. <laughs> Me- <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Colonel Kane has traced the car, or rather the woman from the car, to a mental institution. She's a nurse there, and he, Colonel Carlson, and the British Home Secretary go there to meet the doctor who runs the facility, and that's Patrick Stewart. Yeah, this feels like a huge stretch to me. Like, the way that they get here is super, like, circular. It doesn't make sense to me. But when I realized it was to get Patrick Stewart on screen, I didn't give a fuck. Yeah, I was more confused about why the British Home Secretary is suddenly traveling there with them. Like, wouldn't a high-ranking official not go out in the field like this when there's this big situation where they might encounter a space vampire? It's really weird. Like, this whole sort of getting to the asylum is really strange, and this is where it starts really taking some strong... I mean, it was already pretty sci-fi, but it starts taking some really heavy sci-fi roots here as we start seeing sort of the essence of people switching bodies. And the first body, of course, is that girl. We meet her quickly, but according to Carlson, the alien has jumped into another body. She knows who it is, but is resisting. Carlson says, I can see it in her mind. So uh, he gets ready to, like, beat it out of her? This gets, like, oddly violent. 
Yeah, it's it's fucked up. And then there's also like he hits her, he takes off her clothes and he kisses her to try to get the information out of her. Like this whole scene is really fucked up. Well, you know what's really sorry, I'm going to cut you off. You know what's really fucked up before he kisses her. He tells Colonel Kane he might want to wait outside if he doesn't want to see this. But Colonel Kane's response is not at all. I am a natural voyeur. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. This it was it was I was really conflicted in this scene, but through it he finds out that she's moved and that he thinks it's a killer who's now in solitary confinement. Yeah, he uh when he makes out with her, he finds his information out and also like absorbs what's left of the alien, I guess. This is where the science is kind of getting a little spotty for me. You're right. This is where it gets really high science fiction, right? Like we were kind of in science fiction before, but now we are really deep into this shit. Yeah, well, I mean, at least they've got one answer now. They're looking for a specific inmate. And you just see him, but Patrick Stewart is kind of showing some resistance. Now they go to see this inmate, and the plan is to hypnotize him after a chemical injection. But instead, oh yeah, number two. Mm-hmm. But instead, they grab Patrick Stewart and stick him with the needle. Yeah, so this was the turn. I kind of suspected something was up, but I, I wasn't quite there. I kind of laughed at this, so they, they jab P. Stewart in the arm. And the essence of the like alien slash vampire has now gone into Patrick Stewart and things are getting exciting here. Yeah, man, it turns out that she jumped into his body, which Carlson figured out when he touched him. Uh, They interrogate Patrick Stewart and eventually her voice comes out of Patrick Stewart's mouth. And this scene is not making it into the Patrick Stewart like career retrospective uh, reel. Oh, this is not no. This is not, this is not a great this scene. Is definitely rough. They're kind of in like a locked. Um, I don't even know if it's a treatment room or what it is. It feels like it's a a room where they were doing things to patients that wouldn't be allowed anymore. Right? It's a strange treatment area and old school. Uh, yeah, definitely old school. You see Patrick Stewart start to like scream or change, and the woman's voice starts coming to him. The overacting in here is just incredible it really is i if i ever meet patrick stewart in real life i want to be like i love you in life force just to see what he would say (laughs) (laughs) i mean i i have too much respect for patrick stewart to even bring it up like i couldn't yeah you might get mad at me (laughs) yeah well i mean it would be fun i feel like patrick stewart is one of those actors that you'd want to have a drink with oh fuck yeah are you kidding me 100 he's one of those people you would just love to hear sort of his, his experience he's just been exposed to so much i would love to sit and get patrick stewart to a place where he can be open and honest with me about what life has brought him because it must be just fucking hilarious. Sure, man. I believe it. He has just become my number one celebrity to have a beer with. I've decided. Nice, man. When she started speaking of his body, she says that the aliens change their bodies based on who they meet. So when she sensed Carlson's crew approaching, she took the form of the perfect female in his mind. Now, Carlson loses it, and this you want to talk about bad acting. This is some really bad acting. Oof. He starts screaming at Patrick Stewart slash the female alien. Where are you? Where's your body? Let me go! Let me go! <laughs> yeah, I wrote this one down, too. I wrote, Carlson's overacting is unbelievable. He keeps that up, though. He keeps that pace up through the whole movie. Carlson's just getting started. Like, this is not the end of Carlson You're overacting. right. This is just the, the... You called him the hero when we started he this is. podcast, but he is the villain of this movie for his overacting in this next 30-minute period. Oh, stop it. We get another lightning storm because of all the shouting, and then the home secretary dies. Maybe so does Patrick Stewart, but we learn that it's too late 
this uh, alien plague is kind of like still spreading. So she's still out there. Do you remember the way they described it, it was spreading? I don't. They say it's spreading geometrically. Like in it's a shape pattern? It's spreading in shapes. Yeah. yeah, it's spreading in <laughs> shape patterns, guys. Holy fuck, look out, shapes. Yeah. I, I guess using the word geometrically made them feel like it was mathematical. And so like people would believe it was plausible. But when it happened, I nearly shit myself watching this movie. <laughs> You know what? Uh, I mean, they're not wrong with the fact that it's spreading because the streets of London are just now suddenly overrun with vampires. That escalated really quickly. Yeah, this is where we start to get the explanation that it is vampires and that they've been here before. This isn't the first time. Like, basically, every time Haley's Comet comes around, they come and take a stop on Earth and drop off a few vampires or send a few back. Well, then they get, we get the impression that this is where the vampire like myths and stories of humanity have come from, is from these real creatures. Yeah, from these aliens, from the bat people, I guess, right? Yeah, they're really painting a rich picture of uh, how this all came to pass. It felt like it was missing something for me. Like, I, I, you're being sarcastic when you call it a rich picture, I agree, but... I'm No, I'm only being half sarcastic. I feel like they're really trying to, like, give this some weight. They are, but it misses something, right? Like, it doesn't make sense that there's an... Like, how did they get down before in previous years? Well, and how did they not... How does the planet not get overrun with vampires? Like, are you kidding me? Like, it would have happened immediately based on the speed of transmission that's currently happening, right? So they're having this explanation of vampires, and then what happens to our man Pistu? They're all in a helicopter, and this is where I realized that like cell phones would have just solved this whole problem. They are like they're they are helicoptering to a place where they can deliver information. Now they have the next best thing. They have walkie talkies. They get Professor Flada on the other end, and he's telling them three things. Number one, the males didn't die. They switched by the soldiers. Number two. This is where the ideas of vampires came from. So like we said, the story is based on these aliens. And number three, he killed one of them by putting a sword through the energy center just below the heart. Now, as he's telling them this just then, the helicopter pilot gets a scrambled cryptogram for the home secretary. Now, before they can read it, blood starts pouring out of what is clearly rubber versions of Patrick Stewart's and the home secretary's heads. Like this effect is really bad. (laughs) It's real bad. And as it's happening, P. Stewart starts turning into the woman, right? Yeah. Well, this blood that pours out of their heads like forms into like an animated blob and then a claymation style form of the female alien. And then it falls apart. I mean, this scene. Come on. <laughs> I I definitely laughed my ass off as all of this happening. I was a little upset that it happened to Peace 2 in the way that it did, but uh, I laughed really hard. What happened to a clearly rubber molding of oh, his yeah. head? doesn't I, even look a little I, bit real. I knew it wasn't real, so I was okay with it, right? Like, if, if I felt like Patrick Stewart was in trouble in any way, I would have shut the movie off right away, but yeah. I didn't. So this is where... Colonel Kane now has some suspicions and he knows this is not all on the up and up. And he asks Carlson, he says, what really happened up there? Turns out that Carlson is the one who released the alien from her crystal and then destroyed the radio to cover it up. Now, uh, in his defense, he says he was in love on a level we've never known. And I believe him. I believe him. I mean, her, like the sort of pull that she's had on every other person in this, right? You can understand the way that he's feeling here. It's going to be a lot for him to overcome those feelings. As she has we, that pull on me. I was like, back off, Kane. What's your fucking problem? <laughs> uh, if only you were watching this with your father. <laughs> oh, God, Jesus. <laughs> uh, before they can dive too deep into all this, 
there's pandemonium on the streets of London. And this is, I kind of was like surprised because this is a big set piece. I'm like, this must, they must have had a decent budget for this because this whole London street, there's a ton of extras. There's all kinds of there's explosions. I'm like, well, this is pretty decent. See, it's funny because I had a really different opinion about these. Like, I agree they started to show pictures of London being destroyed. We also learned that the same vampire woman was a destroyer of worlds, their, their words. But I felt that these scenes were super poorly done. They were horrible. Oh, are like, you serious? Yeah, I hated the scenes in London that felt like really ramshackle. They felt like the extras had no direction and they're just like a bunch of random people moving around. Yes, there were lots of people, but it felt like we were going from a sci-fi movie to a really cheaply done zombie film. I could I could not disagree with you more. Really? I thought this was like well done. Yes. No, so I I literally in my notes was like these scenes are garbage. I wrote down that all of those scenes of London falling apart felt really cheaply and poorly executed. And that's funny that you had a different sort of perspective. So we go from the London destroyed in these scenes which we've got some controversy over and where do they end up going? Well, they land to meet the prime minister. Yeah. And uh, in what can only be considered a bad sign, he looks a bit disheveled and like very sweaty. (laughs) And he excuses himself from what should be like an emergency briefing to a side room with his secretary where he immediately drains her life force. He's been compromised. He's one of these vampire things. They got to the prime minister. The prime minister's a vampire. Uh, fucking crazy. We see it coming. The sweaty is clearly what's going on here. And they, uh, escape to a helicopter. They fucking flee the shit out of this sort of, it's weird. They kind of have a safety bunker for the prime minister and all the other people there, but shit's going bad in there. We can see everyone in there starting to turn. And so our investigators leave and head out to a helicopter on top. Yeah. They have to kill a couple of vampires to get away. Uh, we see the city is now under martial law, and they land the helicopter at a base camp where we find out that they've contained all of London, but if the vampires breach the containment wall, they are going to send in nuclear bombs and basically like blow up England. They're going to nuke London. Yeah. This is where they're at in this containment. They The only way to stop it is probably to nuke it. This is where we take a transition and we find out that the... The ship that is hovering over, the one that kind of looks like an umbrella, is actually tr- starting to collect the energy and or souls of humans who are there and taking them from the people of London. Yeah, man. They're, like I don't know if it's right now or later on, but there's this giant like laser effect of like all these human souls being sent up there to the alien ship, and they're being sent through the female's body. And Carlson knows where she is because of their connection. In fact, she is calling to him. She wants the life force that she gave him back. And he goes. He breaks out of quarantine. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's heading for the sp- – oh, sorry, he's allegedly heading for the Space Research Center. And this is where he – does he steal a car and start driving through those streets of London? Yeah, I mean, he steals a fucking Jeep. And so does Colonel Kane. Colonel Kane goes after him, and we get an action scene of him driving through a London street, just you know, thoroughly overrun with these vampires. So this is so absurd. Like I'm, I'm kind of connected to this movie. I'm following through the entire time. I'm trying to follow the plot lines and the logic behind how they're making decisions. And these scenes, which you enjoy, I am thoroughly angry at as he is escaping and going through. Like, I'm probably shouting at my television watching this being like, are you fucking kidding me? He's getting through all these insane areas of zombies with this car. Okay, I will concede that 
him trying to drive through these streets and making it through is the most ridiculous part of this movie. He's not driving a tank. He's driving a Jeep. Like, there's so many of these zombie things. And, like, some of them are on the windshield. They're jumping on the car. Him and Carlson. Carlson's doing the same thing. They both shouldn't be able to get to where they're going. That part, I admit, is a little ridiculous. But just the scope of it, I'm kind of impressed with the visual scope. You're impressed with the choices. So he's driving through. I think where he's headed, first of all, though, is to see Falada to go talk to him about how to deal with these vampires, right? Yeah, so Kane believes that Carlson is going there. I guess Carlson alluded to the fact that he was going to go back to that base. So Kane goes to the base. But Carlson is not actually doing that. Carlson is going to go meet the lady vampire. Now, while he's driving, he like hears her calling to him and he starts almost like daydreaming which causes him to just about get mauled by all these vampires but he drives through and makes it to the source which is that kind of church however kane meanwhile gets back to the space research center and finds professor falada but he's also acting awfully strange he knows like way more than he should have been able to find out in like the six hours this has been going on. Falada's a fucking genius. He knows everything about the life force. Well, like this is what we learn here. He's looking awfully sweaty though as well. Oh, he knows he's done and he communicates that uh, to Kane and sort of tells him what he needs to do. Right, but he also comes at him. He attacks him to try and steal his life force because now we find out Professor Falada has also become one of these uh, vampires. So Kane shoots him and we get a pretty decent like face bubbling effect, no? Yeah, actually this isn't bad. Um, he also sort of finds the weapon that Falada mentioned might be needed. Yeah, it's like a broadsword. Yeah, and the sword's made of a particular material that's necessary for killing vampires. Silver, isn't it? Yep. Or is that werewolves? Mm, you're right. Silver's werewolves. But it was a... Iron? It was a specific material. I don't know. We should have looked this up. Shit, I don't know. <laughs> but it was... It, it was only a particular sword made from a certain material that was going to kill these things if it was shoved through their life force. And yet, when Kane shoots him, Professor Falada's body like bursts open and explodes. All the life force comes flowing out. Either way, Kane's got the sword now, and it's time to find Carlson. Speaking of which, Carlson gets reunited with the female alien, and she tells him to come and be with me. And to be honest, I'd do it. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, I would have just done it. I'd have been like, yep, I'm there. <laughs> Count me in. <laughs> yeah, things are fucking falling apart in this movie real hard. We've got tons of the scenes of the sort of street and everything going wrong. We have the scenes of the blue light stealing souls, zombies chasing other people through the streets. And we know they're not zombies, but they're actually vampires. It's really bad. We have this confusing talk about Genesis, and I'm hating it. I can't believe you're saying this is bad. I'm hating it. Dude, there's lots of action. There's explosions. There's screaming. There's guys on fire. There's pandemonium. I thought this was really well done. No. So for me, it just seems like super poorly done, super cheap, and super unbelievable. Kane is racing there right now trying to find Yeah, Carlson. he's trying to get back. He's trying to get to the church slash cemetery where these two people are, right? Where Carlson and the female vampire are. Well, as life force is just flying everywhere through the air. Just like this beer into my body. Yeah, this beer's going down smooth, eh? It's an easy drink, and uh, I, I understand why it's called Chug Life. This is pretty tasty. Yeah, buddy. Uh, so, Kane gets there with the sword, and who does he meet on the steps of this church? He finds that the remaining male alien is blocking the door. But apparently, he's so busy getting drunk on Life Force that Kane just walks up and stabs him. It's, like, it takes two it's seconds. It's so easy. This It's hilarious. And when he stabs him, what does he turn back into? Uh, there's a brief glimpse of his true form, which uh, which is not great. Some kind of like that big alien kind of bat it's, thing. It's the bat monsters yeah. from the start of the movie. Like his true form is one of those fucking bat monsters that was desecrated because the three of them sucked the life out of the rest of them. Yeah, there's a big explosion. 
uh, some kind of big special effects here. It was hilarious. It was not at all believable. Well, speaking of hilarious, Kane enters the cathedral and finds a naked Carlson just fucking banging this vampire, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> You're right. So that's happening. Kane finds them just fucking. We get a scene of the two of them just deep inside uh, each other. <laughs> Carl- Carlson fucking kills me here. Carlson pauses like to say some really dumb stuff. What are these thieves? What are I feel so close to you? Need you? <laughs> he's terrible. He's she, terrible. It's it's awful. She tells oh. him that he's always been like her. The, yeah, we man, figure out here. He's, be, yeah. he's one of them. Yeah. We figure out that he is actually one of them, that his ancestors or however he was born were the people who were from their alien race, right? Passed down. And so that he belongs with her. There's some horrible kissing again. This is where they're fucking like sucking each other's faces again. Oh, be with me, Carlson. <laughs> so so when she yells be with me carlson it just threw me off so hard i was like do you want your name yelled while it's happening like do you want people yelling cooper while you're doing it i yes what dude you want people to be like be with me cooper while you're in the act if this girl was like be with me cooper i'd be like fuck you kane (laughs) going out of space there's no way you could have stopped that eh? you just would you've been all in i don't know how he fights this off uh somehow he does and like kane throws down the sword to him Mm -hmm. and he stabs it through her body and his own body and we get just a giant explosion that severs the connection to this ship yeah it's it's baffling i even wrote down why would he do that like you made this case at the start and i i tried to play devil's advocate i wouldn't have no but i don't understand why he would make that choice based on everything he's learned as he's gone through why would he make the choice to end them both He's learned that he is a part of her community, is one of them. But, like, what draws him to the human race? He burned everyone alive that was a part of his space mission. He's fucked over tons of people. Why is he deciding in the very end to be like, I'm going to do the right thing and stab myself and this alien vampire woman I love? Because he's a hero. And I am not. That's what we've learned <laughs> from this episode. So they, they, he stabs through them both. We get incredibly artsy blue to red lighting as like some sort of transition happens. And it feels like both of their essences, even though he's ended them both, get lifted to the ship. Well, that's the thing. Like, he doesn't blow the ship up. It severs the connection, but the ship just kind of heads back to the comet, and we get the credits, and the credits have the same music from the Blu-ray menu, this great fucking, what I call it, a classical banger. This music's incredible. <laughs> and we're out of this movie. That's it, man. It's done. Penis floats away. Credits, ship. Penis floats away. Did you not notice that the ship that was part of Haley's Comet was shaped like a penis? I thought it was shaped like an umbrella. Not when the umbrella's down. It just looks like the head of a dick. Well, that's... After they sucked up wait, all the souls, after they sucked up all the souls, the umbrella went down, and it just looked like a penis. You're saying it's it's swollen with souls, is what you're saying? Yes, it is swollen with souls. <laughs> <laughs> so the alien penis flew off into space, swollen with souls, Lord, ready to what continue on the vampire We're legacy. Getting this juvenile stuff. <laughs> this so is late what in the happened episode. at the end of the movie. Oh my god. Well, we're out, man. And that music is absolutely fucking incredible. Like great credit music. I am just at this point, I am all in on this. I'm like, what a fucking experience watching this movie was. We've reached the end. We gotta rate this movie. And the way we always do it, we rate it twice on a scale of one to ten, uh, first for how bad it is, and then again for how enjoyable it is. And the goal as always is to find movies that are ten out of ten bad, ten out of ten enjoyable, or as we call it, the 
Crit 20. And uh, I will say that in my opinion, this movie is not nearly bad enough to be a crit 20. I have this as a seven bad. Oh my goodness. Dude, I thought that like A, this is a pretty well executed like sci-fi horror movie. Like again, we're right into the action. They quickly established the deal. The rapid escalation, the exponential growth of this is exactly how it should work for vampires creating new vampires. I thought the uh, the sexy aliens were very plausible. I think people <laughs> would be drawn to them. Um, I like. I mean, listen, some of the acting is bad, but overall, like, I was like, this was a thoroughly well executed like sci-fi horror movie where there was a lot of action. There were some major kind of set pieces. Some of the effects were pretty shitty, but a lot of them were like really good. I thought this was a pretty good movie, man. I want to give it a seven for how bad it was. What do you say? Holy shit. This is hilarious. And I mean, I guess it goes with our conversation that we had throughout. Um, I actually felt it was a nine bad. Wow. Yeah. I didn't give it a 10 bad because parts of it held together okay. I felt like the sum of the science fiction, especially the scenes inside of the space shuttle and some of the science in sort of the places they were, were decently done. I felt like they had some really some creative ideas. They didn't always sort of execute in a way that I wanted. I really thought that the scenes with all of the extras in London were really poorly done. I didn't enjoy those at all. I can't believe that. I, yeah, I really disliked them. I really disliked the the vampire thing at all. The fact that they made this the explanation for vampires for me took away a bunch from it. Like, if they were just aliens and they weren't trying to explain the existence of vampires through an alien ship with bat people and desecration and being able to change bodies, that would have improved it a lot. Do you want me to throw out my enjoyability rating? Yeah, man. You as well stick with it here. You're segueing nicely. Go ahead. I actually gave it an eight enjoyability. Okay. So even though I thought it was a really bad movie, I I did enjoy watching it. I thought they made some pretty fun choices in terms of the way that characters changed. I liked the explosion of characters when they weren't able to drain in life force. I thought those were really funny. Um, I liked the Patrick Stewart made an appearance in there, even if there was that ridiculous overacting scene with him and Carlson. But I enjoyed it. And I think if you haven't seen Life Force, like you got to watch this movie. Yeah, like, man. Like, you exactly. really do. Like you got to watch it. It was really bad. Like I, I didn't. It was really bad. But it's definitely something that if you haven't seen it, you really should. It, there's sometimes we come across those movies on this podcast that I had never heard about before. Um, you bring them to me, and I would definitely tell people to go watch. And this is one of them. So I'm giving it an eight for enjoyability. Uh, I don't regret watching it at all. And would I watch it again? Possibly. I was going to say, oh my God, man, that's high praise. Yeah, that is, I think. And here's some even more high praise. For me, this movie is 10 out of 10 enjoyable. Whoa! Dude, I thought this was fucking great. I thought this was so much fun. I had so much fun with this. It's got like everything you want from a movie experience. It's got like fucking cool ideas. It's got like gratuitous nudity. It's got action scenes. It's got Patrick Stewart. It's got a fucking banger of an end credit song. In all seriousness, like the end credits music, I let the movie feel fucking exhilarated. I was like, oh my God. I was so, that credit music hit and I was like, fuck yeah. I have now watched this three times. I would easily watch it a fourth time. Huge, huge fan of this movie. 
I thought it was tons of fucking fun. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's well made because it's not. There's some problems. <laughs> this is why it's on our podcast. Yeah. I gave it a seven. Carlson's acting is like fucking absurd. Some of the dialogue that way he delivers it is horrible. Again, Patrick Stewart, great to see him. Not going to make his career retrospective. No. Um, and as you pointed out, the vampire thing, like kind of ridiculous because they would have overrun the planet easily and entertained yeah, it. Yeah, it's bullshit. It's funny that we both ended up a 17 out of 20. We yeah, both got right? there, which is hilarious like, in different ways. Definitely enjoyed it. Um, how about the beer? Oh, man, are you kidding me? I really enjoyed this beer. If the audience can't tell, I've gotten progressively more drunk. I drink, this is, I'm on the third one of these chug lives, and they are going down real smooth. Yeah, really easy to drink. I, I really like the idea of a community of people making beers. I like supporting those kind of companies in Ontario as well. The craft beer can bring together some kind of cool communities, and I like that that's happening there in Chicago. Chug Life is just a super easy, drinkable lager that really does touch on nicely the sort of carbonation and flavors of a champagne. It is incredible how easy uh, it is to drink and how well they've sort of manufactured that connection between champagne and, and beer. I just crushed three of these. I could easily crush three more. Like, it's a it's a good time. So, well done, Mars Brewery, Chicago. Yet another example of why I love that city. Oh, I mean, I think that'd be a really great location to go check out. Uh, I've only ever been through Chicago on my way to other places. I've never got a chance to stop there. Love to catch some baseball and catch some uh, some craft breweries. It is a great, great city. Speaking of things that are great, next week, we are going to watch a movie that is beloved by many. We're going to watch The Last Dragon. Do you know this movie? No. It sounds like a Bruce Lee kind of movie here. I, I was a big fan of kung fu movies uh, in my teens. I feel like I should know this. Are you a fan of 80s music? Uh, of course. Well, then you're in luck because this is like a perfect fusion of 80s music and kung fu. Uh, this is actually kind of like a kid's movie in a lot of ways. Like, it's fun. There's a lot of, like, action and bright colors and an incredible soundtrack. Like, this is going to be a real experience. If you've never seen it before, you're in for a treat. That's going to be next week. If you have not already, you can follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at the BMB Podcast. Yeah, if you want to send us any suggestions, you can slide into the DMs on our social media, or you can send us an email at the BMB Podcast at gmail.com. We love receiving those suggestions. We've done a couple this second half of the season and are starting to plan for our second season. So please send them over to us. Yeah, we love the audience requests. Please keep them coming. Until next week, I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next week on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it sucky. (laughs) In the blink of an eye, the terror begins.